Welcome to Missionary Talks, where we talk with missionaries and learn about their lives and work. Today on Missionary Talks, I'm talking with Bill and Lemoyne Cunningham. Their missionaries have been in several countries. Uh, so let me just start off by Bill telling us where the Lord started off in your ministry and give us a real quick history of where you're at today. We started out in Ethiopia. That was our first field of labor. and We spent some time there, but the communists didn't want us to stay. We had to leave. We went out from there, and then we came uh, back and tried to go to Ethiopia and stay again, but they refused us. So we spent a little time in Nairobi, Kenya, and from there we went over to Australia and served the Lord there for about 10 years. And after some sickness and things, we came back to the States, and then we went back and served the Lord again about 10 years in Kenya. And then, of course, we've served the Lord in the Azor Islands and uh, Romania and Germany and help me out. Bali, we're in Bali now, of course. And so that pretty well tells where we've been. Lemoyne, uh, he didn't give me dates. When when did all of this start for y'all? And uh, what do you see as kind of your next step? What's your future ministry now? We first went to Ethiopia in 1965. Then we went to Australia about 1969. We were there for several years, of course, as he said. We went to Bali, actually, and that's where we're ministering now. And uh, we went there on a visit, actually, in uh, 2002, shortly after the bombing that they had there. And uh, God burned our hearts for Bali then. So we're working there, and I guess we'll just sort of remain there. How did the Lord lead you into missions, and what type of ministry have you been doing? Has it been church planting or assisting other missionaries? What have you been doing? Well, of course, uh, I got saved out of the middle of the Pacific Ocean and went on to Korea as a soldier and saw the conditions there and thought for a while I'd go back to Korea, but that didn't work out. Somehow I didn't get to go to Korea, but uh, we went to Ethiopia, but how I became a missionary I think it was due to being in Korea and seeing the conditions there and getting saved on the way over. And then on the way back, I made a commitment to God that I'd serve him that way. Our work is totally is leading souls to Christ and building churches. That's it. And how have you done that through the years? Well, it's a personal one-on-one situation. You win one, and then they will win one, and it just keeps on and it builds. And then when we get an assembly together, we we create the church and build from there. Lemoyne, what kind of ministry have you been involved in? I, since I've known y'all, uh, you've been a help to us younger missionaries. What type of ministry have you personally done through these years into the different fields? Well, I've worked with uh, children, of course, and I'm not a children's worker. <laughs> that is not what really I feel where my expertise is. Uh, but I have worked with children out of necessity uh, for a lot of time. and uh, But I work with women and uh, teenagers. And um, uh, I've taught in the institute that we established in Australia. And I love teaching. I heard you speak this last summer, and you said you, you talked about befriending the people and, and winning the folks. Uh, how How would you go about befriending somebody to bring them to the Lord? Well, if you're talking about with Hindus or Muslims or anybody overseas, you win them to yourself first. Uh, help them with little problems and just be with them. Let them know that you love them. And I guess out of that, 
eventually it comes to the place they will see what we're doing. We'll be a testimony in our work, and they'll say, hey, what's this that you're all about? And then we can lead them to Christ. Lemoyne, with your bubbly personality that I've gotten to know over the last few years, uh, how do you win the ladies to you? Do they just naturally come to you, or is it something that you have to work at, and how? No, I think you have to work at it, but uh, uh, I do like meeting people. And, uh, of course, I, I always try to have them in a Bible study or something like this, or um, I've taught classes on how they should dress and, and their appearance, and I like to keep up my appearance, and I think that's important when we're dealing with women because women are attracted by someone who looks nice, usually. So, And many times we've had them in our homes. I, I've uh, had them in my homes for little uh, coffees and get-togethers. And, and as far as uh, the families, we'd have them in our homes for meals to get acquainted with them and, uh, and just try to make friends with them first and win them to ourselves. What would you offer to a young missionary today just getting started out? What kind of advice would you tell them? Have a list. If you're, you're just starting out, have a list of the things you know that you'll need for the field. Put them on the list. Size up the church. When you go to the church, if it's a big church, it's uh, financially strong, give them the biggest one. If it's an automobile or something like this, or if it's a computer or something like that, find the church that would meet that need or could meet that need and present it in those churches as you go around. That's the best advice I could give anybody. Lamorne, do you have anything for the young missionary wives as they're getting started out uh, that might be an encouragement to them? Be ready for anything, I'll tell you that, if you're a, a young wife. My wife helped me string uh, barbed wire, uh, helped me fix my vehicles at different times, but be ready for anything, no matter what it is. And don't say to yourself, oh, I can't touch this or I can't do that. Be ready to do whatever needs to be done. Yeah, and, and two, you know, I think a missionary wife has to know that God has called her. I, I feel very strongly about that because deputation is not easy. However, I love deputation. I love being in the churches because I'm a people person, so I like meeting people. But uh, I don't think that a wife can endure the mission field if she doesn't have 100% dedication to the Lord and feels that he's called her as well as her husband. So she'd better make that that clear in her own heart because if she's just being in submission to her husband and going because he's going she's not going to last you've got to there's many many times on the mission field that I could quit had I not known that God had called me there too because you can rebel against your husband but it's hard to, re to rebel against God so you I think any young missionary wife needs to know and needs to settle that that she's doing it because God has called her as well as her husband. Absolutely. And the man, when he goes out, he better have it in his heart that he's totally committed for that place and not wanting to do anything else in his life and go to that field with the feeling within your heart you're going to stay there the rest of your life, though you may not. You say that, and you tell me you've been in Ethiopia, Kenya, uh, Australia, how do you, as the missionary, make that move, knowing absolutely that's what God wanted you to do? Because we have to take every open door. I mentioned that I, we went to Ethiopia and we had to leave. Then we went and tried to go back to Ethiopia. But on the way, we stopped in Spain. And in Spain, wouldn't you know it, I met an Australian guy. 
not too many people that speak English, so I enjoyed speaking to him just a little while, talking, telling him our problems and where we were going. And I said, there's a good chance that we might not be able to stay in that country. And so he thought about that for a minute, and he says, wow, mate, if you can't stay there, come on over and help us. So that's what we did. And that's what you have to do. If uh, one door closes, another will open. But always be on the go. That's it. And, you know, if, if the wife in a situation like that, if she doesn't uh, feel that she's dedicated in, in serving God, not just following her husband. Now, when we went to Australia, we didn't know one person in that whole country. No. And we had three small children. And we didn't have very much money. We didn't know where we were going to live. We had no one, of course, to meet us there. We didn't know where we would live, what we would do for money and, and furniture and everything till we got started. And so I could have said to my husband, you're crazy. I'm not going. I'm going home. But we went by blind faith, and we just knew that God was there as well as he was uh, in America or Kenya or wherever we were. And uh, we went there, but uh, we had money just to stay in a hotel for one week, and we didn't have any more money after that. Our money was gone, and we deposited a check in in an Australian bank and uh, asked how long it would take for the check to clear, and the guy said a fortnight. And... We said, what's a fortnight? <laughs> and uh, so we, he said, two weeks. And we looked at each other. We didn't have any more money. I think we had one more day in the hotel, and there you had to pay for a week at the time, and that included breakfast. We were broke. We, didn't, we couldn't pay for another week. Yeah, out on the street with our suitcase. So we thought, we don't have the money to wait for two weeks. What are we going to do? So it takes, it takes a lot of faith in those situations. So the wife better be prepared to have that faith. <laughs> Do you have a story, a testimony of uh, someone you'd like to share with us? Well, missionaries have to use every every situation they can and everything, that all the knowledge that they got from school. And I devised a way of getting to the doors of the people that was hard in Australia. And it was um, a situation where I take a block and I take the chick tracks and I go around and knock on the door, tell them who I was, where I was from, and I'd give them the track and wouldn't say anything, just walk off. I'd say, I'll see you tomorrow. And I did that for about three days. And the third day, I knocked on the door, and Pop came to the door. I called him Pop. I don't even know his name anymore. But he came to the door, and I gave him the track, and he says, uh, I really like the one you gave me last week. And I said, well, which one was that? And it was um, Holy Joe. So we went in his little apartment and sat down. And he told me the story about a real holy joke because he was in a prison camp in Burma years ago. And those guys would have to go out and dig a, uh, a grave, and they'd shoot him right in the grave. But in that camp, they had a guy, they called him Holy Joe, because each day he'd come around and he'd give them a, a, a scripture, a short one, so they could memorize. And he said, it'll help you get through the day. And uh, he brought that track out, and he said, I always wanted to know what Holy Joe had that I didn't have. I said, I can help you with that. And we sat down at the table, and he had a number of different Bibles. And I picked out the King James Bible, pressed the rest of them back. I said, this is the one you need. And I got in the Bible with him, showed him all the scriptures. And uh, we finally came to the place. I said, well, now, Pop, I said, all you have to do is just pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart. I said, let's just kneel down here by the chair. And he looked around a little bit, and he says, I can't do that. I said, why? He said, if I get down, I can't get up. He's a big guy. I said, okay, we'll sit right here on this chair. 
And uh, sitting on that chair, uh, we talked just a little bit more, and then he bowed his head, and he said, I don't know how to pray either. So I helped him with the prayer, and he received Christ that day. And we had a lot of fellowship after that for a couple of weeks, and suddenly I went back to his house one day, knocked on the door, and someone else answered the door, and I asked him, I said, where's Papa? He said, he's not here anymore. What happened? One day I'll see him in heaven. Do you have a website that you would like to point people to so they can get more information about y'all and what you're doing? Uh, yes, we do have. It's uh, www.lifewithlemoyne.com. And it's really sort of my website because I've written a couple of books, and, and uh, one will be published probably in um, May or June. Uh, but I've written the books about our mission endeavors, and uh, so they're on on my website, and I do a, a monthly newsletter called Life with Lemoyne. So that's the reason my website is Life with Lemoyne. All right, and listeners, if you want to go to missionarytalks.com, I'll have a link to Life with Lemoyne, and that's Life with L A M O I N dot com. Uh, but you can go to Missionary Talks, and I'll have a link there there for them. As we close, is there anything else you'd like to to share? Well, I would say that. Um, Missions was not my choice in life. Uh, after I was saved, three months after I was saved, and I came from a non-Christian family, and three months after I was saved, I surrendered my life to do whatever God wanted me to do, but I did not realize it was missions. I thought, well, maybe pastor's wife or something, you know, in the States. So then it was in Bible college that God burdened my heart about missions. But because of this experience I'd had in, in the senior year, this missionary lady telling about eating roasted monkey meat in the jungles of uh, South America and all this, I said, anybody's got to be crazy to be a missionary. And so that was not my choice. But then God burdened my heart, and I couldn't get away from the call. And that was long before I met my husband. Well, I had met him, but we weren't together. And uh, so I surrendered to the Lord to go to the mission field. I was frightened, but once I surrendered, it was like getting saved. You know, you feel the relief and the peace and the happiness. A lot of people tell me, oh, I couldn't do what you do. Well, at one time, I thought I couldn't do it. But if God calls you, he equips you and gives you everything that you need to do the job. And a lot of people look at me because I, when I'm in America, I like to dress nice and I wear jewelry and I'm part gypsy. So, you know, I look the part of a gypsy sometimes. But, uh, and I, I like the, the glitz and, and, uh, and the bling and all that. But, um, they misjudge me because when I get on the mission field, my life changes and I can adapt because of the grace that God gives me. And and it's it is a commitment to Christ. And because of that I adapt to um dressing down and climbing mountains and walking through mud and, and whatever I have to do to get the job done. But don't be afraid of being a missionary because it's the most rewarding and the most exciting life. And even though it's not my choice and I did not I would not in the flesh have chosen it myself, I can't think of a more fun, fulfilling career than what I've had as a missionary. We've seen the world, and we didn't design it that way, but we've seen the world. We've had some exciting experiences, uh, met people that I never thought I'd meet, like the king of Ethiopia, all these things. And so there's not a career in America that would give you more fulfilling and enrichment and excitement than being a missionary. So don't run from it. Amen to that, all of it. <laughs> Being a missionary will get you more rewards than any job I can think of. You've been listening to Missionary Talks with David Peach. 
please visit us at missionarytalks.com.